Hey, this is Caesar, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And we've already made our opinions based off of our answers. <laughs> um, we're going to jump into the night. So, yeah, we're talking about, um, I always want to say, single dating, engaged, married. Pretty much that, though, right? Yeah, and sex, but that comes with marriage. So um, we're going to be talking about that, and kind of the heart and sort of vision casting on that is, you know, we can all agree we kind of live in a a day and age, in a culture where this is, like, super, like, spoken about, and it's kind of spoken about with, like, kind of, like, what's your truth with it, you know? Um, And so this is going to be a two-part panel, so it's going to be overall about, you know, sexuality. And so this part is on what we just talked about, like single, dating, engaged, marriage, um, sex. And the next panel will be more focused on sexuality um, and God and homosexuality and stuff like that. So kind of shaping around that. Some of you, a lot of you brought in some questions. Um, And so we're going to really hone in on those questions that you asked in those categories of single, dating, married, sex. And, um, yeah, we're going to really look to Scripture and look to what God says about these things um, and less about, you know, an opinion. Sometimes we have really strong opinions and feelings of what we may think is right, but Scripture and God makes things very clear. Um, And then some of the things we are just going to have open discussion, and, uh, you know, our discussion might be different than your opinion that you came in with. Or you, as we're talking, maybe certain convictions or thoughts may be shifting for you. And so, you know, we got to pray for our hearts to be open up for this time. And we also got to pray for the panelists. But also, as we keep going, continue praying that um, and continue praying grace for yourself, right? As you're thinking of things, it may bring conviction that you may sometimes wrongly interpret as shame or guilt. And so kind of just have grace with yourself as you process, but also grace as a whole as we have this open discussion. Um, so yeah, so anything that you want to add, Caesar? to? No? Okay. Well, with that being said, we're going to jump right in with my pink pen, yeah. my star of the show. Um, what do they say on TikTok? It's like a paid, a paid feature. A what? A paid actor. That makes sense. I don't know why I said paid feature. Okay, so first question. How can singles prepare now while single to have a healthy view of sex when they are married, including how to celebrate it as a good thing and also hold the tension of the fall and brokenness and how that plays into sex within marriage? Very light question. (laughs) You guys thought I was going to be done after like each word, right? You're like, oh, that's a good question. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, let's go ahead and start. Uh, First person to the mic. It's a race. It's Jen. It's Jen. She turned on the mic. Go ahead, Jen. (laughs) I'll go. Um, Hello, everyone. Um, So, I think now as a single, um, it's a great time to start diving in and really trying to understand God's heart for your sexuality and for sex and for marriage. Um, I think that it is not talked about very often, and so we, we come to our own conclusions, we decide what we think, even we decide what God thinks, and, um, and then we're left with 
kind of our own answers and they don't really get us very far. And so, you know, I grew up in the church and it was, you know, you don't have sex before marriage, you have sex when you're married, and then that was it. And, and so it felt like this rule and there was not really a heart or a why behind it. And that's hard, and, you know, and, um, and it's only after I became married and really tried to even understand more of married life and, and sex and how that plays into it that I got to understand and God really spoke to me about his heart for it because it's so much more. It's so much more than just being able to have sex when you're married. You know, God's heart is not just like, here's a rule now. You know, he loves us so dearly and deeply and that's why he insists that we experience like sexual intimacy within marriage. And so as a single now, trying to dive into scripture and maybe read books about it to, to figure out those questions and see what God has to say so you can prepare your heart and your mind and you form a theology based on God's word on, on that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, that's really encouraging for me, too, because as a single, that's kind of what the Lord's been revealing to me as well. Um, so in order to have, like, a healthy view of sex um, before you're married or even, like, thinking about getting married, um, to me, I feel like the best thing to do is just to begin pursuing intimacy with the Lord because um, intimacy is the thing that we all most desire, whether or not we're willing to admit it to ourselves or others yet. Um, but it's also the thing that we fear the most, like being fully seen and all that that means. Um, because we tend to think that if we're fully seen, then we won't be received. Um, and so I think about like Adam and Eve in the garden, like when they sinned, they went into hiding. They went and tried to cover themselves because they were ashamed. But God, he called them by name and he closed them. He called them out of the shadows, out of shame. And so like to know that God created intimacy between a man and a woman to reflect like his desire for relationship with us is the first place to start. Just like begin diving into having, like you can converse with God, like have a daily conversation with him and tell them the things that like you hide in your hearts because he already knows and he's not up there waiting to, um, you know, like bring more shame upon you. There are consequences to things that we have done in our lives, but there is no condemnation in Christ. And so as we pursue his heart, as Jen was saying, I think there comes such a freedom and I think one of those like ways that it's been revealed in my life is being able to even have this conversation. <laughs> like I've always been so private about things like this. And so being able to have a conversation like this on a platform, I'm honored and grateful because God's done a work in my heart and understanding his heart for me. So Yeah. Yeah, and I'd say Caesar and Jeff, um, you guys can answer like what is a healthy view then of sex? What is a healthy view of sex and marriage? <laughs> Where can we find that, you know, in scripture? Yeah, before you answer, I want to say, Crystal, that was, that was a great word. Mm. Really. That was. Um, let, let me ask you guys, uh, have, how many people here would, would enjoy having a Tesla? A Tesla? Yeah, seriously, put your hands up. Okay. So, have any, the, the people who have their hands up, have you ever driven a Tesla? No. Why do you want one so badly? You've never driven it. 
That's maybe an option. Um, the reason I, I paint that picture is I, I, it, it's funny that many of us base, in, like, not even us, society as a whole bases so much on something that most of us haven't experienced yet. So they, they idolize sex, they put it in front of you at, at just, I mean, for even for you to watch it, whether it's in pornography, whether it's in movies and TV shows, it's something you have not experienced and you're convinced and we're convinced this is the most important thing. This is how I reach the next level. This is how I reach satisfaction in, in my life, that I get this thing that I've never had. And it's wild, right? Like, we, we, we base so much. I mean, if you, if you look at how much money goes into the, the porn industry or anything tied to sex, I mean, like, sex sells. Not because it's the most important thing. It's because it's a good thing, right? And so, like, Teslas are good things because they have good things about them, but they're not the most important thing. Because, like, let's be honest. If you have the choice of living like never sick for the rest of your life or having a Tesla, which one would you want? The Tesla. <laughs> Boy, if you're dead, you, you, you don't need that. no Tesla. You know what I'm saying? Like, so all that to say is like having a healthy view of sex is knowing what it is and what it isn't. And what it is is a gift. What it isn't is your everything. It's, it's not. No good thing that you've been given is meant to control your whole life. Mm. Think about it. Like, your phone in your pocket. If you had to give it up so you could survive for the rest of your life, would you be willing to do it? Probably, because you're like, well, between me living and me having this good thing, which am I going to pick? Life. And so, same thing with sex. Like, it, it's just not, it's a gift. And knowing its place in your life or knowing its place in the design of humanity, I think is the first step of developing a good understanding of what sex mm -hmm. is meant to be in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of gifts, um, unless, Jeff, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, the, to me, the, to build on what you guys are saying, the, the importance of this topic is, is that um, it's romantic relationships is really what mm -hmm. the topic is. Uh, the family, the family unit is God's design for caring for us as a society. And that's why it's so important what we're talking about. Um, as we can clearly see as the family breaks down throughout society, the consequences of that is complete chaos, right? I mean, literally complete chaos. Uh, so it's so important that we get this right. As followers of Jesus, we have to understand what is at stake here. This is, this is the vehicle that God has given us, right, to, to bring um, his love, you know, in flesh to each other. And even if you are a single person, we have um, single people that have lived with us for um, most of our married adult lives. We've had single um, folks that are really, we consider them family members. You can still be as a single person involved in, in families, right? Um, if, if your family's in another part of the country, you can still be involved in families here. Uh, but it's so important, and that is why the enemy has really attacked our understanding of romantic relationships. 
um, because he does not want us to have healthy families, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't want children coming into healthy situations, you know, and, and parents um, enjoying intimacy with each other. Um, that whole uh, idea is frightening to him, right? So that's, I just wanted to say, let's get this right, mm-hmm. right? This is an important thing that we come, you know, to a good understanding of, for sure. Mm-hmm. The consequences are pretty high. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, too, that leads into the next question, right, of just talking about this gift, which is it's a healthy view of sex and marriage is knowing that it's a gift, right, knowing that the family unit is to show us, sorry, that's my earring, knowing that it is to show us like the love from the Lord and just the vehicle of that. Um, And so moving into the next question is, which is talked about a lot, and especially being a a young adult woman, like I feel like it's talked about a lot in my spaces is, well, you know, you might have the gift of singleness, right? They phrase it that way. You might have the gift of singleness. You might be single forever as as this is your gift. And so how, how would you, how would you know if you have the gift of singleness? And also, is signal, singleness even a gift now? So it's kind of twofold of like, how would you know that it's a gift? And, and it, can we use it now? Is it a gift now if we are single? Well, I'm in it, so <laughs> I guess I'll say it. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, the gift of singleness. I know a lot of you, when you heard that, you're probably like, again, somebody's saying mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I, one of the ways that I want to start this answer out is just saying that um, there's a verse, I think it's in Philippians 4, I want to say it's verse 28, but I'm not sure. Um, but it says, receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ deep, deep within yourselves. And um, just coming to understand, um, so I'm going to give you a little background, I'm going to give you in a nutshell. And like I said, I don't usually talk about this kind of stuff, so, but we're, we're at the house, the fire's right there, yeah. don't sit there. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so my whole life, uh, beginning at a young age, I felt like God called me to pursue singleness um, until he told me otherwise. So I felt that call at a young age, and I was always like really confident in that. But as I got older, I kept saying, okay, God's still calling me to singleness, singleness uh, not realizing that I was actually, um, <laughs> I had my own will going on. Um, a lot of this stuff is fresh revelation to me right now, but I, rather than God calling me to it, I realized that I was feeling unworthy of it. I was feeling unworthy of being a wife one day, unworthy of being a mother one day, and so I kind of just closed myself off um, and told myself that I was walking in the will of the Lord. Now, God is gracious and good, and I don't feel like I've had any missed opportunity, like God's protected my heart and all of that, um, but as like... Um, like someone in my late 20s now, I'm starting to just see all of that unfold that, wow, what singleness at first, I told myself like, oh, I see it as a gift. But then there was a point three years ago where it was like, oh, I do want this. I do want to be married. I want to be a wife. And I just began this journey of praying and asking God, like, show me, like, show me what it is that you want me um, to pursue. And um, also God bringing this uh, realization to my life was exciting but also I was like why would you tell me I want this and then now I have to wait for it 
And it's like, I see the struggle now. I see the struggle. Um, but one of the things that has made me really realize that it truly is a gift is as a single person, you do, you have freedom uh, to be alone with God. And Paul talks about how marriage does in ways make it harder because you want to serve two masters. You want to serve Christ, but you also want to serve your spouse. Um, and so you really do. If you're single right now and you're discouraged, I want you to know you have the freedom to do something that you, you might not have as easily when you're married, if that's part of your story, um, to become married. Um, but just really press in. Receive and experience the amazing grace, the love God has for you deep within yourselves. And before I be quiet, uh, there's like this really cool um, picture I heard um, on YouTube somewhere. But if you're single, I want you to imagine yourself going up a staircase. And, um, you know, so long as you're moving forward, following God's will for your life, you're serving faithfully, um, there's going to be a point in your story where you feel like you've reached the ceiling. And that's when God invites the partner to your life. And then that's when you, you break through together and you get to serve God together. Um, now, if you're challenged, don't mistake that as being the ceiling. There's obstacles that come. But if your spouse is not here, you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend, just know you've got some more stairs to climb. So trust God and keep moving forward. And just know that if he's put that desire in your heart, um, he's going to equip you to, to stand and keep going on the course. So. That's well said. That's good. I, the best way I've like understood when someone's asked me like, do I have the gift of singleness? Am I called to it? <clears throat> if you are single right now, you have the gift of singleness. And you're like, well, I didn't ask for this gift. <laughs> Can the Lord take it back? But like you, you did, like you came into the earth that way. Like you were, you were, you were born single. Like you weren't betrothed. Like you weren't like, a, like all right, my child is born. Now is married to this other child. Like, no, that's, that's not, you just came into this world this way. Um, and I think what was challenging for me and um, was I compared the difficulties of singleness with the highlights of being married, right? So like all the good things that come with marriage seem really great when all I focused on was the difficulties of being single not realizing that now as a married person, some of the great things about being single uh, feel really great when I look at the hard parts of being married. Um, that freedom aspect of being able to, you know, I joke about it, but like, it was a couple months ago, uh, Rachel was on a trip or Rachel was staying over somewhere and Caleb slept over at my house. And we played, we ate Taco Bell to like, 2 a.m. playing video games, and that's just what we did. Like it was, there was a, but there was a, a joy to it because I was being able to spend time with someone that I care about and love, and it's my brother. But my first responsibility is to Rachel, not to playing video games with Caleb till three in the morning. Um, but all to say is like, it's not a matter of is singleness good, uh, better or worse, or is marriage better or worse. As a matter of it's, is it, it's which is a little bit more complex. Like they're both, they both come with things that you need the grace of God to do. If you are here and you're single, God is giving you the authority and grace and power to be single. If you are called to be married, he will give you the authority, power, and grace to be married. God does not gift you with anything. He does not grace you to carry. Simple. And that includes both. Both are, but that's the thing, like both are hard. Singleness isn't easy and neither is marriage. Both are gifts from God. Uh, James says, every good gift comes from, from the Heavenly Father above. If he's given you this thing, right, this gift, 
I, I, want, I, I think I would wonder if we would ask ourselves, why do we see it as anything less than that? Why are we so quick to see it as a, a curse? Why are we so quick to get out of it? But the other thing that really helped me get through my singleness is, is learning what I was made for. I wasn't made to ultimately be married. That is not my end goal as a human. Mm -hmm. Like your end goal is complete, utter attachment, devotion, and marriage to Jesus. Yes. And right, we joke about it, like, I'm just married to Jesus. I'm single, I'm married to Jesus though. And it's like, no, no, don't, don't like throw it away like that. You know, you, you get to the end of the Bible, you get to, to read Revelation. Uh, if any of you get the chance to be married, you ain't gonna be married anymore. <laughs> You're married for like a couple of years and then you spend eternity married to Jesus. And so we get it flipped. We say marriage to this person is more important, more important than my marriage to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, man, like, why would I give you, like, not, not like he's t keeping it from you so that, because you, you don't know how to handle it. As much as like, man, if we can't appreciate marriage to Jesus, how could we ever appreciate marriage to another person? Because mm -hmm. one is a given. We will, we will be married to Jesus. The other is not a given. Mm -hmm. So if we can't cherish the one thing that is a given gift for eternity, man, like, I just challenge you to wonder, do you think you could even handle being married to another person for a couple of years? Mm -hmm. Maybe we ought to learn how to be married to Jesus and love and be jealous for him yes. before we're ever trying to be mm -hmm. jealous about our time with another person. Any thoughts? You want to jump in? Yeah, I think that is great. That was what I was going to say, is that really, you, I think we need to ask ourselves, like, where is our identity and what is our purpose? Because it doesn't really come from marriage and it doesn't come from singleness. Like, the Lord asks us, regardless of where we are, to be married to him he wants us all and so if marriedness if being married is like this I gotta get it like your eyes are off Jesus and he wants you alone um, and you know we are we're made in the image of God and every day we're being made in the image of Christ and so we are we have to find that intimacy first and foremost through through Jesus, and he just so desires that from us. And if you feel like, well, then if I'm married, then I will be content. When you're married, you're still going to be discontent because it was, it's just going to, it's going to rear its ugly head in a different way. And so mm -hmm. you have to lay that down and let God work in you through that because it's, if it's, if it's misguided and it's put in its wrong place, it's going to show up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so all of that sounds really good. And I feel like that leads us a little bit to the next question. It's like, okay, I believe that. That's so encouraging. Go home, think about that, talk to your friends, and then like in a week, you're like, ugh, I want to be in a relationship or something. You know, like you lose track of that. And so this question is super honest. It says, I hear all the time that singleness isn't a curse or a waiting period. It's a great season to be in, right? It's a gift. I love it. It's amazing. Okay, I get to hang out with my friends. But how do I truly walk in that mindset while living in a society that preaches that your life isn't fulfilled until you've found the love of your life and encourages the hunt for that? This is the, this is the honest part. It's honest already, but this is the part that like, I love. Sorry, I'm hearing again. 
It feels like Hunger Games. <laughs> I think about how I'm single and need a partner every single day, multiple times a day. How can I find rest and be content? How do I stop criticizing and blaming myself for still being single? So there's so much there, right? And I think that I, I feel the question here. I feel the tension, the emotion of like, everything you're saying is so good. And, and like, I love that and I want to do that. But like, how do I address culture? How do I address this tension that I'm carrying, right? Of like, but they're getting chosen and they love the Lord just like I do. So like, how do I address what we're, what we're facing? Okay. Um, this one's actually, I'm excited to answer this and um, because it's something the Lord's been really um, revealing to me. So last summer, um, a few weird things happened where the Lord was just really urging me to read the book of Ruth um, and like really study, like do like a character breakdown. Um, and uh, one of the things I discovered was the story is actually less focused on a romantic relationship and it's more about faithfulness, like the faithfulness of two people who love God. Um, so one of the things that I do want to say is how many of you struggle with your thought life? Because that's like my big thing. <laughs> okay. So that's something I'm glad most of us, yeah. <laughs> Jeff says if you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Yeah. So that's been a huge thing in my life. Even when I tell like myself and others like, oh, I'm super content. Like I'm so full of the joy of the Lord. My mind is like, La, 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 la. so many thoughts and like crazy different scenarios playing out like what's going to happen here I like to dreamscape with God and I create like a blueprint and then I say oh God told me like that's his plan for my life um, so yeah um, just like going through all that um, what, what's really cool is um, when, whenever you start to feel overwhelmed with your thoughts you might start to feel lack right like I lack a partner or I lack someone who likes me or cares about me in, in um, a romantic way. Um, one of the ways that God actually um, designed community is if we step in and serve, our focus becomes off of ourselves and on the people around us. And when we get our minds fixed on serving and, and sharing Christ's love with people, it really does uh, clear up our mind. Um, I'm not saying it's like the cure for everything because it's a day-to-day, step-by-step thing, submission to God. But when we're serving faithfully, God really does give us a freedom and a content, like a satisfaction in mm -hmm. being where we are with Him and trusting Him. Um, and looking at the book of Ruth, um, one of the things I really like loved about her is how many of you like sometimes if you like a guy or if you like a girl you might be wondering in your head oh, I wonder if they know or like wonder like what they're thinking you know I, I picture Ruth out there picking up barley and she's not like I wonder if Boaz sees me picking up <laughs> barley today you know it doesn't say she does that like you know I'm sure she's wondering if he uh, what his thoughts are towards her at times but she's out there faithfully gathering with the thought of her mother-in-law in mind She's doing it faithfully, and she's not concerned or consumed with what he's thinking. Meanwhile, he sees her heart. He sees um, her virtuous character. Um, and so I just want to encourage you all. Like, if you feel the lack, serve God. Be obedient. Ask him to daily help you surrender. And just know that in time, God speaks to the right people about you. Mm -hmm. and, and when you do meet that person, they'll be able to say, everyone in town knows that you're a virtuous woman mm -hmm. or a man. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and what I love about that, Crystal, is that, you know, in that thought where I, I totally agree, and maybe you're agreeing too, when you are overwhelmed by your thought life, you definitely start to 
notice where, you, where you're lacking. And right, you can fixate on different things. And it might be the fact that you are not in a relationship or it might be the fact that you're not making enough money or whatever it is, we're fixating on something. And I love what you just said is you went you know, to scripture to inform you, right? You went to serving and loving on people, uh, showing Christ's love to inform you. Because what, what the truth is, and it was one of the questions, right? What's your favorite rom-com? That's sometimes what we go to. We go to rom-coms, we go to books, we go to, you know, whatever is going to inform us very quickly. It's a quick answer. And we then on top of that thought life of feeling overwhelmed, we go and then we dream of whatever we just saw. And now we put in new characters, right? The guy that we like or the girl that we noticed. And we, we start to think of new thoughts that aren't actually informative. They actually taint more, bring more overthinking. And so I love what you just shared because that is how we can face this challenge. That is how we can posture ourselves of like, man, what I just heard is so good. Now what? And it's going back to to the Lord, going back to his word, being honest with community um, and yeah, serving, serving and showing people God's love. It's not to just run off to social media or to willingly know that we are about to compare ourselves to somebody else's relationship, but it's to go to the Lord. It's awesome. Okay, well, we're going to jump to the next question of uh, what things, because now it's like, okay, we're moving into now, okay, I'm, I'm in this single period. What things should I be looking you know, out for in a partner? Um, and while I'm looking for a partner, while I'm noticing different qualities, when is the right time to enter into this relationship? All right, I'll jump in. Uh, and it's kind of a, almost a, a, a part of the answer to the last question, too. It's kind of, they kind of tie in together. I think most people are single, and this might be a little difficult um, to hear for some people. I think most people are single not for the right reasons, not because God wants you to be single. Uh, I think most people are in singleness again not everybody most people are in singleness because uh there's a reason you know someone looks at your life and says i don't know that i want to spend the rest of my life with that person so i think that the key to that is understanding your value you need to know your value Right? Your worth and your value in the Lord, mm. you must know that first. You can't expect other people to come alongside you and make you feel worthy and valuable. Um, people are not, they recognize, most people recognize, mostly subconsciously, that's not my job to do that for somebody. And so when, when someone, you know, from the opposite sex sees a person and they recognize that person um, doesn't value themselves fully, you know, in a healthy way, um, that's not a person that they, you would want to spend the rest of your life with, right? And honestly, you don't want someone to want to spend the rest of their life with you if you're not in a healthy place. Because yeah. what does that say about them? They're not in a healthy place. Okay, so I think most of us are single because we're not in a healthy place. 
and you wouldn't want to enter into a relationship with somebody when you're not in a healthy place. You just, that's not good. You, you have to understand the goal. We do a lot of, Lee and I do a lot of uh, premarital counseling, and we tell people the goal um, is healthiness. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. You can't walk into a relationship um, as, a, as a broken, fractured person with another broken, fractured person and go, okay, well, between the two of us, we're going to make a whole person. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way, right? It's just two broken people, and you end up pulling from each other, right, to get what you need instead of giving to each other mm -hmm. out, of your, out of your healthiness, out of your, your wholeness. Um, so if you want to remain single, remain broken. Remain unhealthy um, in your thought life, in your, your habits, um, the way you value yourself. Keep doing that. You will remain single. And you should remain single. Yeah. You absolutely should remain single. No one should be pursuing you um, because that wouldn't be good. You don't want to step into someone's life as an unhealthy person. That's not good. But if you would like, you know, um, for, you know, for marriage to be a reality or a romantic relationship to be a reality, pursue healthiness. Pursue um, all of the things that come with healthiness. So in other words, a right understanding of your value and your worth, um, a right understanding um, you know, of respect and honor and those kinds of things. When you, when you engage in the Lord, or, or, or it could be with counselors, or it could be with you know, mentors, or it could be in small groups. However that process looks, there's no one way to do that. But you must pursue healthiness. That is the key, because even if you do get into a relationship as an unhealthy person, what's the chances that relationship is gonna work out? Not, right, that's not the goal is to be in a romantic relationship. The goal is to be in a lifelong partnership with somebody that's the goal. It's a bigger, it's a much bigger goal than, you know, having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. So you want to make it, right? You want to make it. You want to spend your whole life um, with somebody. So Lee and I, um, we, we've just pursued healthiness. That's it. That's, that's what helps us to continue to grow. Right? She recognizes unhealthiness in herself, and she goes, oh, I gotta do something about that. I recognize there's unhealthiness in myself, and I gotta address that. And that's kind of been the key to our relationship. Then that's my encouragement to you guys, right? Pursue mm -hmm. healthiness. If you're not healthy and you know that, don't pursue somebody else. That's not, what, that's not the right thing. Pursue healthiness for yourself mm -hmm. first, right? And then when someone comes into your life, and they're not healthy, you'll see, well, that person's not healthy. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with them. Um, but then when somebody does step into your life who's healthy, now you've got a healthy person and a healthy person coming together. That's a beautiful thing. We love doing premarital counseling with, with people who have been pursuing health, right? Because um, then it's just like normal stuff. It's like, you know, we should be tithing. You should be doing, you know, doing this and that and the other, and it's great. It's not really tough, tough stuff. So that's that's my encouragement: is pursue healthiness. And I, I love Crystal. 
love that. I mean, I love what you just said, right? You were single, but not for a healthy reason, right? And God just showed you that, revealed you that, that recently, and it's like, wow. So you are now moving towards even greater healthiness, which is awesome. Also, I should say, uh, bouncing off of that, God is so jealous for us. And I'm so thankful that, um, like, I'll say, like, the past three years where I've been on this journey of, like, intentionally praying for my future spouse, that God hasn't given me that person yet. Because, like he said, I wasn't free in a lot of spaces in my heart. Um, And if I can't receive the perfect love that is so freely accessible to me, why, why would I think that I would feel worthy or um, d- to receive a man's love, which is so imperfect, you know? And so God first wants me to understand his love for me uh, before I could ever begin to have a healthy relationship with, with a man, so. Yes, the most of those are great. I, that's awesome. I, th- I just wanna say, like, I think too, I think we care about a lot of things that don't really matter <laughs> in the long run. I think that we have, if we're honest with ourselves, we have a list, maybe, of who this spouse is supposed to be or the person we want to date, maybe what they look like, what they like, what kind of clothes they wear, what music do they like, all these things you think are going to make the perfect spouse for you, but really, in the long run, they're not the things that last at all. And if that was the case, me and Kev would be very different than who we were when we got married. But, you know, I could have thought in high, in high school, we were in college, um, that he was perfect for me. We liked the same music. We went to the same punk rock shows. We were in art school together. We had the same, you know, all these things. And it was like, this would have been perfect. None of those things are still true for the most part. We still like art. We like very different music. We dress differently. Like all the things that you hang on to and you think this is the thing that's going to matter, it's not because everybody's going to change. You will change. Your spouse will change. So if those are the things that you're holding on to as what keeps you close or compatible to each other, they're going to fail you. And then you're going to be left being like, well, now what? And so what you're looking for is health for someone who's pursuing Jesus what what does the bible say as a character characteristic characteristic fruits of the spirit are they serving are they pursuing health as jeff would say so that's what will carry you through the tough times it's not that you like the same things it's that you will humbly submit yourself before the lord yeah. and to each other and work through all the hard things for years and years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And um, another part to this question, so Caesar, if you just want to answer this and then we'll move on, but um, it says, how long should I date? And I feel like that's a great question because, you know, we do have a lot of social media access, right? And so we might see someone, we're like, wow, they've been dating for like two seconds and they're engaged, that's awesome, and now they're getting married and that's awesome. Or it might be like, well, I'm in a seven-year relationship, when am I supposed to get married? Or it's the word supposed to, right? That phrase often comes up. And so what, do you, what are your thoughts? Does it even matter? And if it does matter, what matters the most? Uh, yeah, that is a good question. Um, when, I've, when I've done discipleship with certain guys who are considering marriage or want to get married or any of those things, so like, I, I, even though it's, I mainly disciple guys, I think this applies both to men and women. 
I, I think back to what Jen is saying. How long do you need to take to figure out if those things are true? Like, are they in a healthy place? Are they serving? Do they love Jesus? Are, like, it, it doesn't take that long. Like, like, it really doesn't. Because if, it doesn't, if it's not part of their, of their already natural rhythms, mm-hmm. like, it, it probably won't become part of their natural rhythms by dating you. <laughs> like, so, like, you're not going to be the person that makes them love Jesus more, per se. Like, you can help them see Jesus more, and, and they'll be more enticed by that, but, but they're not, they're not going to serve at church more because you're dating them. They're not going to be in a healthy place just be, like, and this partly to the girls here, like, you're not a man's savior. You, mm-hmm. you can't can't fix them up clean them up and then marry them like they're if they're messed up they're messed up only the only god can fix them mm-hmm. and 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 men let me tell you man like it, it's a it, you don't get married to someone just because they have a pretty face mm-hmm. like the, the parts of that's inside of them that are hurting and struggling and painful like they they, they need jesus too and so to all, all that to say is how long however long it takes for you to figure out those things and then go for it. Like, I, I know it seems scary. Like, when I proposed to Rachel, like, it was scary. But, like, I knew. Like, I was like, what am I wait? Like, what else do I need to see? Do I need to worry that, uh, you know, is she a homebody? Do we like the same movies? Like, <laughs> how do we feel about kids? Like, and there's some practical things that, like, need to happen. Like, are we willing to move if you're wanting to do that? Or, like, are you willing to stay home? Like, I think there's some practicalities that, that are important to have that conversation about. But, but those are so secondary because, right. like... <laughs> Like Rachel and I were like figured, okay, we, we won't we won't have kids for five years. Man, I'm ready to have a kid. Like I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm the one trying to get Rachel to have a child, and she's like, no, you know. And I'm here thinking, man, I wouldn't want kids for a long time. Like, like things change real quick. Right. I, I'm a different person than I am a week ago. Every like every day I'm changing, and so the the things that you want to see in a person only grow exponentially are the things you need to know about them, and then to marry them. So it could be a year. It could be six months, and I, I, re- I honestly wouldn't say any longer than a year, um, primarily because I think we've adopted, and this happens all the time, the church adopts what the world does. So, you know, they'll play house, right? right? Like, well, oh, thank you. Lee <laughs> <laughs> uh, agrees. Like, we'll just play house. And so, like, you know, like, we'll, we'll stay over too late. And, or we'll, we'll spend all our time together and forget that we had a community that we were a part of. We, like, we, we pretend we're married way before we ever made that commitment and covenant between God, right. before God, before anybody else. And so it delays us in getting engaged and getting married. Uh, and, and we say, well, we just need more time. Time for, I, I honestly asking, what time for what? Is it, is it, and usually it's like, it's just time for you to, I don't, I don't even know. They never really have an answer. They're just like, <laughs> I don't know. Everyone should just like wait at least a year, right? Like my parents told me I can't. I'm like, and if it's a financial thing, it's like, listen, you're married to that person forever. Mm-hmm. You will figure out how to make, fi- make finances work. You'll figure out how to, how to live in a 200 square foot roach box. If like <laughs> you will, because a lizard box, lizard box, like you, you know, like you will, because you've made a commitment to love and serve and protect that person for the rest of your life. The, circumstantially, those life changes, but that covenant commitment you make never changes. Mm-hmm. So if you see in a person that you're willing to commit to that person, see all the things that we just talked about, man, like, go get married and, and commit to it for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. And have friends that will hold you accountable to it 
that will spur you on to good works and will help carry you when marriage is too hard. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like we, you think you married as one person and you're alone together. No, no, you're, you're married to that person together amongst the family of God. Like I genuinely thank God every day for Caleb and Obi and the men in my life because I will not, I, I mean this, and not because I don't love Rachel, I will not finish well if I don't have men in my life that will, are willing to say, Caesar, you're being an idiot, Caesar, you, or Caesar, you need to do this more, or you're doing great. Like, mm-hmm. Rachel's not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Neither are they, but together they help me stay closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's a long answer. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just get passionate about it. But <laughs> if you want to, if personally, if you want a timeline, a year maybe. But if you see all those things already, have those conversations. And if they're not ready to have those conversations, it's probably a red flag as well. Um, because what are they waiting for to see in you? Like, you've shown them every, you've shown them th- your hand. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think too, like, you can, I agree with all those things. But also look in, in who are their friends? How do they talk about people? Yeah. How do they treat people? Do they talk about, you know, there's, there's things that you should be, be looking for. It's not just what they say, but those around them, is it? a pattern of faithfulness Um, and and then yeah marriage will be a daily commitment again and again that you will stay married and so really if they have these things and they're pursuing Jesus and they have you know they are they you can see the fruit then really I'm in the camp with you they're like get married. Yeah. I was engaged for two weeks. <laughs> um, so, and I've been married for 16 years, and that is God's work, and it is a daily, you know, it's not, it's hard, and so every day you, you, you've made a covenant before God, and so you choose, and and so, yeah, it's, it's not like you find this one, and that might be a question later, but, um, you know, it, it is, yeah. Yeah, so with that being said, um, if you are in a relationship and you want to get married, Mosaic is going to pay for flights to Vegas tonight. If you guys, I'm kidding. Uh, Caleb's ordained, so let's go. What did you say? <laughs> Caleb's ordained. Caleb's ordained right here, right now. <laughs> Raise your hand. Oh, Hannah, Hannah, you're single. Who do you want? <laughs> she We're not doing that. Putting my director hat on. Stop. <laughs> Go back to the questions. All right. So, so let's, let's truck along the rest of these questions. Um, this one's very heated question, okay? And, um, and Caesar, I would love if you answer this question. Can girls ask guys out? That was a joke that it was heated, by the way. Uh, the answer is yes. Okay, we're moving on. Yeah. So, so how do I tell a future? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually moving on. The answer is yes. If you'd like to, I'm always ready to answer. Pray I mean, about it. Listen, pr- everything that we have to answer tonight, pray about it. Go ahead. Panel's done. Next, next question. We've got, we've Hold got on. One. I want to say something about it, though. Oh, okay, Jen, go ahead. Um, Caesar can't, but you can. He can too. No, Caesar. Um, if you, I, I, go for it. Ask. But if you're not asking, but if you are continuing to dream and create these emotional attachments to this person that you have never asked out, then you're not entering into a healthy place either. Mm. So it's better to just go and ask out than to be the girl and be like, I'm just going to wait. But then let your mind wander and take you to places that are emotionally attaching you to a person that you won't even go ask out because 
There's heartbreak. There's heartbreak there. There's that is deep heartbreak that you will go through. So and no, I, and that it takes amazing. bravery. I yes. And but also, guys, if you see that girl pursuing Jesus and has all the virtues, mm-hmm. then ask them out. Yeah. Clearly, be yep. forward and take them out. out and get married. <laughs> no, that is actually you know that's I'm glad you said that because I think it goes for both you know, men and women, because the other question too is how to ask someone out or when to know to ask someone out and can girls do it and all that good stuff. But I think you're just overthinking that a little bit of just, there's a reality of if you are sitting there thinking about it and you're spending so much time dreaming and making up all these things out of honestly pride and fear of rejection, then have a conversation with the Lord and maybe a couple mentors and make a decision. All right. Next question. How do I tell a future partner that I didn't remain pure sexually in a past relationship? Having done all types of sexual sin and continuing in healing from trauma that caused it and from the trauma it caused, how would I have that talk with a future boyfriend or girlfriend about it? How is it going to affect the relationship and my partner and being open about it, how to support one another? And what if it's really one-sided and whoever I find didn't do a lot of sexual sins, so there's going to be a lot of guilt. Basically, how do I deal with all of this? I'll, I'll, wanna, I'll jump in. Um, this one's always fun. Um, uh, yeah, I, this is my story with, with Rachel. And so I've asked permission. Don't worry. You don't have to look at her and be like, oh my gosh, she's really good. That's her. <laughs> We've talked about this. Um, uh, since 12 years old I, uh, I've, I've alluded to this in, in preachings before but I've never really like openly fully said this but like from 12 years old into my 20s uh, I struggled with, with pornography and masturbation okay it's out there uh, and Rachel is amazing and perfect and I love her and she's great and you know when we were talking about past relationships. She's like, well, I went on a couple of dates. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's nothing. Like nothing, you got nothing that you can comp- maybe make me feel better that I have all this sin in my past that uh, it's almost like I wish she had sinned more so I can feel less bad about my sin. Yeah. Um, but there was, a, you know, we were, we were getting more serious in our relationship and getting heading towards engagement and marriage and I remember it was it was uh, it was at my, at my parents' place. We were sitting at the kitchen table. It was just the two of us with spending the day together, and um, I had I was still struggling somewhat with with sin. And I just wasn't addressing it truly, and uh, I I felt the Lord saying, "You have a choice to make. You can move." towards marrying this person and hide a part of your a part of you for the rest of your life mm. or you can be free be open and be healed and that isn't dictated about whether she accepts you or not if she breaks up with you because you, you struggle with masturbation and pornography that's okay because you you matter you matter regardless of whether she's in your life or not. Your healing, like just like Jessica, your healing, your wholeness, your restoration as a child of God matters way more than if you're a viable person to get married to. 
And I uh, chose to share it with her. And it was the, one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life. And I was weeping and crying. Like I was just, it was, I'm an ugly crier anyway. So like, it was just a, it was a mess. And she was like, she was quiet. I was like, that's it. Like that, okay. Like this is it. Like there's no way, there's no way that when she opens her mouth, her response is going to be, uh, oh yeah, let's, let's do this. Like I'm stoked. Like, thank you for sharing. Let's go. Let's get married. Um, but what she said was, uh, she looked at me after what felt like a long time, probably only a minute or two. She grabbed my hand, looked me in my eyes, and said, I love you. And I, I, I got to tell you, y'all, like, um, Satan will use every one of your past mistakes uh, to make sure that you never receive any of the good things that God desires for you. He use every single one of them. And he'll show you. And the thing is, it's not a lie. Like he'll, he'll be like, you did this. And you're like, yeah, I did do that. The lie is what the result is. He says, you're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of, of any of these things. And, and, and that's also true. You don't make yourself worthy. You don't fix yourself up, make yourself clean and beautiful and pristine, and, and then you're good. The Lord made us worthy. The Lord makes us worthy. And what, what Rachel was confirming in that moment is not that I was perfect. Um, but that she just saw God working in me. Yeah. She saw God, most importantly, in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to the person who is asking this question, <clears throat> I hear the shame and the guilt, and I, I'm, I'm there with you. I get it. But those things are the, are the tools that Satan will use uh, to keep you hidden from your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not worth it. It's not fair to that person that you're wanting to get married to, and it's not, it's not fair for your soul because sin only grows in darkness. Sin is killed in the light. Mm-hmm. If you want wholeness and freedom and healing, may I just tell you, it's not easy. It's not, it's not fun. Man, but it is freeing. Mm-hmm. And to walk without chains hovering on your shoulders. Do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Caesar. It's encouraging. Does anyone want to? Yeah, I mean, just not having that conversation is going to rob you of intimacy. Yeah. For the rest of your relationship. Right? Which, you, why would you want that anyway? Absolutely. I actually want to touch on this subject. So thank you so much for, first of all, just opening up. That's hard. Um, So this topic does not just apply to guys. Like, this is an issue with with females as well. And in fifth grade, I was exposed um, to to pornography. Um, Not visual. It was written, and um, this girl would tell me all kinds of stuff that she was learning about through 
her own um, addictions. And it's, it's something that's it's alluring, especially if you've never heard some of these things. And that kind of like set me on a path of just like, of um, sexual sin and struggle in that area, um, just as a young girl and growing up in that and just really wrestling with my, um, my sense of worth and, and also just feeling um, loved by God, feeling so completely like unworthy of mm-hmm. his forgiveness. And that pushed me further and further away, which is crazy because like no one, like I've never even spoken about this either. Um, that's how much of a stronghold it puts on your life. Um, and even as I was growing um, out of it, um, I, it manifest like the effects of that sin manifested in other areas. Yeah. I struggled with like intense perfectionism, um, an eating disorder, um, and also I like singleness to the point where it was because I felt unworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these questions, I wondered like, why do I struggle in these different areas? They all seem so random. They're not. They're consequences of. Um, unrepented sin and 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 also like maybe you are repentant but you're still stuck in it i want you to know like first of all god is not up there like oh i can't like i can't even look at them like mm-hmm. he sees you and he's pursuing you and he wants you to walk in freedom and so one of those ways is being honest i mean you see how caesar's honesty opened me up and that's no longer something that i have to hide in shame for neither do you and our honesty um also opens us up to receive yeah. true pure love which is what you got to experience with your wife and now what i get to look forward to experiencing with my future husband so yeah and i just i just want to say like from like this is not an opinion thing like like, I just want you to hear God's word for a moment, right. okay? Like, like, if you're not a Christian, you might feel like this doesn't matter, but, but, but hear the gospel for a moment because the, the gospel informs everything. Like, we're not having this discussion outside of the gospel. The, the gospel informs this discussion. Mm-hmm. But if, if you are afraid to share the, the brokenness in your heart, uh, Romans 8 makes it very clear there's no condemnation mm-hmm. in Christ. That is, who, that, is, that is just a given. That means, listen, the Lord is not surprised by your sin. He's seen it all. People might be surprised, but he knows it all, right? And if that person is surprised, even their response to you does not condemn you. It says that there is none. It doesn't matter who it is. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? None. Not even yourself. You can't even condemn yourself. And then he tells in, in, in 2 Corinthians, you are not the old anymore. In Christ, you have been made new. You're a new creation. And so like, like that does not have to be true of you anymore. Like, so I want you to hear this. Not that you're holding on to it by choice. But if you do not know that this does not have to be your story, yeah. today, be, like, let it be known. It, it has no power over you. Yeah. Sin does not have any power over you anymore yeah. in Christ. Good. Yeah. Man, that's so good. That's so good. Just that question is, you know, you feel that tension of you know that shame or that guilt but even just that like if they know then then all of this goes away and and this feeling of i'm the only person and you know the lord's doing that that work in all of us um collectively all the time but just so cool to hear from the both of you and just cool to hear from some of you guys um in conversations is the enemy hates, what you saw, talked about earlier, Jeff, the enemy hates healthy dynamics, healthy relationships, right? Because these relationships and dynamics and community is to show us 
the Lord, right? And, and God wants to show us redemption and reconciliation and, and restoration and, and love and all these different amazing things. And so whenever we experience these issues or tensions in relationships, um, knowing, you know, first that you're forgiven and all this and, and the gospel is true and the Lord loves you, but then also knowing that the enemy is, is attacking, using some of the things um, that maybe we're insecure about. And I know that that's really awesome that we even got to present that. Caesar, what you were saying um, of just when you finally said it all, you're like, even then you're like, what is she going to say? And when it's met with like, I love you, right? Or maybe we get to experience this in communities where we share something in our sin life that we've never talked about. And if we have, it was like so watered down. And like now it's like we're saying the real thing. And it's like, we're so scared to hear what's next. We're so scared to hear rejection or to hear um, that our insecurity is now like the highlight reel of like, this is how I see Caesar now. Um, but it's actually such an amazing, um, beautiful moment to just put it under the light. And just be like, here, here it is. And then to see that one, you're still loved. Two, that that person's also not perfect. And so they have things to bring to the light as well but then also to see reconciliation work itself out. It was really cool. Um, all right, so, so the next question is, how can the church support and disciple those in dating relationships and take it seriously before engagement? You can talk about it. <laughs> Um, like this. Um, I think this was a really great, and is a great night for us as a community to talk. Like, it should be, like, look at what just happened. Like, mm -hmm. Caesar shared, honestly, and it spurred something on in Crystal, and it's like, this is what community of believers is, mm -hmm. is to spur and encourage each other on. And, and so, whether you're dating or you're single, like, Let's love each other well, and let's speak truth, and and let's show Christ to each other, um, and that things aren't off limits. Like there shouldn't be a sin that we feel like has to stay in the darkness. Like we should be a body of believers as young adults and for each other, where we can confess and we can repent and we can celebrate that and we can and we can be there for each other. Mm -hmm. I think that the church, the role of the church, <clears throat> uh, in Scripture, Jesus refers to the shepherds, right? Um, here's, here's what I think the church is supposed to do for us, and um, we've kind of moved into consumerism in our culture in every way, and that um, we come to church to consume something, right? To consume a product, to hear a message. Um, the purpose of the church is is not to, to feed you, mm -hmm. right? The purpose of the church is to teach you how to feed yourself, right? And to challenge you to feed yourself. Um, Je Jesus isn't like a fad, right? Or a hobby, your hobby, right? It's not like pickleball, right? Jesus is your life, right? He's, um, he's not like a super excited about the five minutes you give him every two weeks, Right? I mean, he knows he's the Lord of the universe. He's keenly aware of that. 
and he deserves more than a little token five minutes every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so the church should challenge you, right? And we should challenge each other to pursue God, right? We need to pursue God. He is our life. If he's not, um, and, and you don't want to go beyond, you know, just kind of a whimsical relationship with him, don't even bother. Don't, don't um, you know, just go live in the world, right? Go enjoy your, your life and live in the world. Don't live one foot mm -hmm. in, you know, in a relationship with the Lord and one, and one foot in a relationship with the world. Um, that's no fun. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't want to do that. That's, that's like not fun at all. So give the Lord your whole heart. And to me, that's um, hopefully what the church is doing for you is teaching you, mm -hmm. how, you know, how to fish, how to pursue the Lord. Yeah. Right? Rather than giving you fish all the time, giving mm -hmm. you fish all the time. And, I, you know, the, the panel here, hopefully we're not just giving you answers, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I came out with some information. No. I mean, if you've been listening, what everybody in this panel has been saying, it's about your relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Everything is about your relationship with the Lord, right? You, if you pursue the Lord, right, um, a lot of these questions that we have here come from, those are, those are, those are, those are questions that we wouldn't have if we were asking them of the Lord, right? And he's answering them. Um, so that's, that's what I think the church should do, yeah. is equip you guys. Equip the body to pursue the Lord, mm -hmm. right? That's what I would say. That's what the church needs to do, is we need to we need equip. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good. And as we move into the next few questions, they're going to be primarily about sex and premarital sex and sex and marriage. But before I feel like jumping into that, because a lot of them have to do with engagement or marriage, um, let's first talk about the basics. What is the difference between engagement and marriage? There's no engagement in the Bible. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, right, like even dating, engagement, oh, well, Right, I guess the closest thing biblically is betrothal. And so like you just, you know, what, the dude went and got the place ready and the lady stayed and mm -hmm. he would come back, marriage, consummate, and then go back and they would go live together. But, uh, and, and this is where, and this is also where I, I believe in short engagements too. I used to really believe in long engagements. Uh, I really, um, because once you've said to somebody, okay, I, like you, you say you wanna, like I, I wanna marry you, and you're like, okay, yes, let's get married. Man, it, it changes real quick. You're like, oh, we're married. Right. Right, like, there, I mean, I'm going to be vulnerable in my head. There's been plenty of times where I was like, Rachel and I should just have sex. Like, what's, like we're, we're, we already said yes, like, whatever. Like, the Lord knows. Like, I'm going to say yes no matter what. Like, we're going to get there, you know, to Tennessee. You know, the, the, her dad's going to marry us. And, and, and like, I'm going to say yes. Like, it's mm -hmm. not going to be a question. Um, but the difference between engagement and marriage ultimately is the covenant mm -hmm. it's the promise you have not made a promise the ring is not a prom like the ring is a is a overly priced stone that you made <laughs> like as a down payment to say i love you enough to make this investment but that but honestly 
it is the smallest investment you can right. make because you have a lifetime of marriage. And like, I, I can't, I don't want to space, like speak too much to it because I've only been married for less than a year. So like not even like uh, I'm a pro in any degree, but what the Lord has, has, has shown me progressively is, man, like until you make that promise to somebody, mm-hmm. it, the vows, the vows it, like that's the biggest difference. Yeah. And, and, and truly that's all that somebody wants. Uh, you, you want to wake up next to the person knowing you've made a promise. There's safety, security, and beauty in that. Mm. But if, if there's not that promise, what, what's going to keep you here? Mm-hmm. Right? And if you're not willing to wait for that promise, part of it's like, do I have to perform to keep you? And that's, mm-hmm. and that's terrifying. So I, I think the biggest difference really is are, are those vows. Once you make those vows, it, it changes everything mm-hmm. but the engagement i think it's a it's a modern thing that we've done uh, but i don't think it's a necessary for a long-term thing yeah i get people want to put on a wedding and all those things and I, i'm not here to tell you otherwise like rachel and i wanted to have a nice wedding mm-hmm. so we took our time and i was finishing school but to be honest i wish i'd waited less I, we took nine months i wish we had done it in three to six mm-hmm. and that's not everybody but again it's that question of what are you waiting for right and even the money you spend on a wedding, it's like, man, you could make a down payment on a house. Well, maybe not anymore because everything's so expensive. But, <laughs> but like, weddings cost anywhere upward for fifteen thousand and and more. Some people are doing it less with budget friendly. But like, think about what fifteen thousand dollars can can help start a family with. Yeah. Think with twenty five, thirty five thousand, all that for. It's like, man, if if people are gonna come celebrate you, even if it's inside Mosaic Sanctuary, and like because they're there for to celebrate that you've made a promise mm-hmm. both to God and to them that you're going to stay faithful right. to God and to the community. It's not, that's the thing. Like one thing I, 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 I loved most about my wedding was that reminder. I made a promise to God, but I made a promise to all those people that I'd be faithful. Yeah. And they made a, and they made a promise to me and God made a promise to me and to Rachel that he would sustain us and that our community will help us. Mm-hmm. Like that is bomb. So. <laughs> Amen. Well, okay. Well then, that kind of answers it, but let's go for the question to answer the question that it was asked, which is, what makes premarital sex a sin? That answer. But then also there's a caveat if the couple is already engaged, and then if the couple is already living together. So basically, what makes premarital sex a sin? And there's some caveats of that. <laughs> well... Like, I'm, I'm the single lady, so I know I don't have any experience in this area. Um, but I've been learning a lot, you know, and asking and seeking wise counsel. And so I just want to share. Um, so we know that, or maybe we don't know, so let's talk about it. Um, so God created sex um, within the confines of marriage to be reflective of his covenant with us, his oneness with us as, as his children. Um, and so that's a good thing. Um, when we receive Christ in our hearts and we follow him as children of God, we are sealed within the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's what the word of God says. Um, and so whenever we're married and you have that intimacy with a person, that's together you saying like we are sealed within God's promise of the Holy Spirit together in pursuit of kingdom mission, like the mission that he's given us both. So yes, it's something to celebrate and enjoy, but it's also for a purpose. It reflects God's covenant with us. So when we do that outside of marriage, you might enjoy it, but it will not satisfy you and God's blessings are not on it. Um, you might think, well, what does that mean? Like God's blessings aren't on it? Um, we want his favor 
and we want His will to be done in our lives. And the thing about the Lord is He's so gracious and kind. So if you have um, been sexual, sexually active outside of marriage, I don't want you to feel like you're forever marked and tainted with sin. Like God, He redeems those spaces. So mm-hmm. when you have that talk with the Lord and you surrender that to Him, you are pure. You, like Caesar said, we don't make ourselves pure. He makes us pure. Um, so yeah, um, marriage, a sex outside of marriage, um, God's blessings aren't on it. It actually creates neediness and an attachment to another person, and you think they are your source, and, and you can't understand why they can't satisfy your needs. There might be tension, but when you are married and you are pursuing intimacy together, there's a oneness rather than neediness, and you both know that together you have a common vision and pursuit um, in following God. Well, with that being said, what if someone's not a Christian? Does it matter then what the Bible says about sex before marriage? Absolutely. <laughs> like that's like the short answer of it. But uh, I, so I love I love doing research in general, and I always love it when. Uh, so I got my degree in counseling, and so I I like to read like psychology articles every so often. And uh, I really love it when uh, the academic world kind of catches up to what the Bible already said yeah, for, right. for thousands of years. Uh, and like, if you're not a Christian and you're here and you're like, are you insulting me? No, I'm just saying, welcome. <laughs> like, uh, you know, but um, so like, let me, let me not answer this as if the, like, just for a moment, not that I don't believe is the ultimate authority, I do. But here's what secular research is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, cohabitation leads to higher chances of divorce. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I, you would think, well, we, we, we've done this, so marriage should be easier. Um, but it comes back to the idea of the lack of the promise. Hmm. Um, you're playing house without the promise that you'll be a home forever. <laughs> um, ironically, the, the, the Pew Research in 2019 showed that the year before there were these researchers who were like, no, we're going to seek out to disprove this. And that, so this came after that, but before in 2018, um, there's two researchers who were like, we're going to, we're going to prove that cohabitation before marriage was not associated with a higher divorce rate. Like it's not, this is what I was read it out. What, what the research said, they found that cohabitation before marriage was associated with a lower risk of divorce in the first year of marriage only. But afterward, the, 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 the likeliness of divorce only increased. It was because living together before marriage could give couples a leg up at the very start of marriage because there is less of an adjustment to being married and specifically to living together. But they found this advantage to be short-lived. Other factors related to experience may take over from there, such as how co- cohabitation can increase acceptance of divorce. Mm-hmm. If you can accept a different sexual ethic and different marriage ethic, and you want a biblical one, you just, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. You just don't end up getting it. If, if A plus B equals C, but you want to have A and F equal C, you just don't. And so, uh, you know, they, it's almost like they want a biblical principle without mm-hmm. living a biblical life like a godly life mm-hmm. and so does it matter if you're not a christian absolutely um, because it is because god has created humanity and he has a design he's embedded it into right. you you will never live out what you will never get what you want until you 
submit yourself to what God's plan and design is for you. So the question isn't, like, doesn't matter if you're a Christian. It's like, man, are you willing to submit to Jesus right. on this? And not for the results of that. I mean, it's for your salvation. But, man, you, you don't get the fruits, you don't get the gifts of God mm-hmm. without being with him. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, and then with that in mind, you know, talking on sex, is it only meant then for procreation? Like what the Bible says, um, in, you know, like to multiply and to, to be fruitful and multiply. And yeah. <laughs> Lee is wild tonight. So we can vote. I wish the podcast had that. Um, That's your wife. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. It's a gift, but it also is used to produce. So basically, what is sex meant for? Um, it's funny. God's not funny. God's timing is always great and perfect. Um, I have been reading... Um, the Song of Songs, um, recently in my Bible reading. And, and so I would say, no, it's not just for procreation. Um, but I think that is God's design and his gift to us. Um, it, it, is, it is beautiful and it is fun and it grows intimacy and it is a reflection of God. Um, desire for us and our oneness with him Uh, but if you read that book of the bible there is this passionate erotic love between two lovers that are in the confines of marriage but it is i it's it's been cool to read because i think with the worldview and the movies we watch and the shows we watch or and, and just like what the world shows you of what sex is and this allure to pornography, it makes it seem like the world's view of sex is better, more enticing, more provocative than mm-hmm. what God has put in mm-hmm. place. And so there's a lure to go to that because that, that seems more enticing, that must be more fun, that must be more fulfilling. But really, God is the one who designed sex and so he is the perfecter of it and it is perfection under God's plan for it and and he shows us in the Bible how it how it is to play out and that it is procreation it is for intimacy it is erotic love (laughs) um, between two people and and it's good it's not something that we need to be afraid or ashamed of within marriage or to think that the world's view of it is better Um, and so it's been cool to kind of dive into that and and to read that and to understand more of God's heart for it and for us I just want to take a, like a slight detour from that because <clears throat> on the topic of sex, when it comes to like procreation, recreation, and enjoying it, um, then single people, I remember hearing these conversations about sex is great, sex is great, sex is great. It's like, okay, well, I'm single, so I, I ain't having that. Um, how do I get to enjoy some of the beauties? So like, you know, like, I, I mean, Kevin and Jen did our premarital counseling and and we love hanging out with them because they're awesome, but also because I love their kids. And so I'm like, kids are a blessing, right? They're awesome. Um, 
But then over the last couple of years, I've, know, I've known couples. I, I, I didn't know how hard it was to conceive. Mm-hmm. Like, I've just heard tons of stories. Of, like, I thought it was a given. Mm-hmm. Like, I always thought, like, okay, you have sex, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, right? And so, you know, it's kind of that, that mean girls thing. It's like, just don't ever have sex because otherwise all these things happen. So I just thought, okay, you did it, you have it. Like, you have a, you have a baby. So you got to make sure, like, if you're about it, you're about it. If you're not, don't do it. Um, but then what I, what I have been blown away with um, and what's made and what helped me in my singleness when it came to not just being okay with not having sex because of some of the, the, the benefits of it. Yes, the, the physical side of it, but like bearing children. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew 28, believe it or not. So it says, go therefore and make all disciples, right? And that's a mandate to whom? To everyone, right? Making disciples is making spiritual children. Mm-hmm. So in Genesis, Jesus, God says, go and be fruitful and multiply, okay? Which meant go and have sex and have babies and fill the, fill the earth mm-hmm. and make it beautiful. But then you get brokenness and sin. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, part in, in Isaiah talking about eunuchs who are just those who can't, they just can't. Their stuff is messed up, so they can't. Not because of their choice, but because of just what's been enacted on them. So they can't have sex or they can't re- uh, procreate. And God says to them, the kingdom is yours. Mm. And then Matthew then tells them, and Matthew Jesus says it even more like, it, it, it is a good thing that you can still have goodness even if you can't have yeah. children in the physical, biological way. Mm. And then he finishes in Matthew, to, Matthew by saying, okay, this creation mandate I gave in the beginning in Genesis, I give to you everyone again that you can have spiritual children and it'll be just as fulfilling. Mm. You know, like th- there's a reason why Jeff and Lee have a bunch of single people in their homes. It's not because they don't like their children. <laughs> I know they very much love their children because mm-hmm. when I try to hang out with them, they're like, listen, uh, we just had a grandchild and peace out. Like we have no time mm-hmm. for you. Like they love their family, but they love their spiritual children too. And yeah. so like if you're single and if you're worried that because like, you want to have children, man, the Lord has provided you a way to have children. Mm-hmm. Make disciples. Mm-hmm. Love them. Sacrifice for them. Care for them. Like truly, like it, it seems like there's not a consolation prize. This is the design of God's kingdom that we would make spiritual children. Um, and so I, I just want to like say like, is sex all about procreation? No, it's also about recreation. But if you're not able to have sex or not able, or able to have children, because some of you might find out that you guys can't have children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. God has provided a good thing for you. Make disciples, make spiritual children, mm-hmm. and it'll be just as satisfying. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, you know, I've enjoyed this time. I hope you guys have too. And I really appreciate all of you guys being here and preparing to chat with us and um, be reminded of the gospel. Um, before we go though, Jen, I want you to share your story pertaining to <laughs> birth control. Because there's a question here. It says, you know, thoughts on birth control. Is it bad? Does it mean you don't trust the Lord in your marriage, et cetera? And, you know, we're talking about procreation, and I'm ready to wrap up and go, but this story is just too good. So go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Yes, so I'm not going to give advice on kinds of birth control. Then you can go to a doctor and talk to them about that. Um, I would say go and... but inform yourself when you are married, before your marriage, go and, and ask them 
how it works, what's going to happen, make wise decisions, pray over that, uh, you and your husband together. Um, but the question was, does it mean that you do not trust the Lord in your marriage? Um, and so, when <laughs> we were married, I was on birth control. Um, and we thought that we were on a very clear path in life. Um, we lived in New York. We were... We had been married for five years. I was uh, deep in kind of this business of blogging, and Kev was a designer, uh, and we thought, yeah, we know what we're going to do next in life. We're going to move down to New York City, because I was traveling down there a lot, um, and he Kev wanted to get a job at a big agency. Uh, so we, we decided to take a trip to Florida, um, which is really funny. Full we circle. also got married in Florida. My marriage license is Florida. Florida's been in our picture for wow. years to come. Uh, we flew was to that Flor you holding the orange of Florida? <laughs> <laughs> the orange was always there. Um, we flew to Florida to spend time at my parents' house uh, and to just pray and see what God had in store when really subconsciously we were just going to, we kind of knew, like, we're like, this is what, it, this is what it, the plan is. Uh, and we were, went to Hollywood Studios. I felt really terrible um, that day. And I was like, man, I really used to love roller coasters. And on the way home, I was like, I really feel really bad. Uh, and so we stopped, and I got a pregnancy test. And I was pregnant <laughs> <laughs> with my daughter, Rowan. Um, and so Jade asked me to share because the Lord's going to do <laughs> what he's going to do. <laughs> whether you think you're controlling it or not. Um, and so that story is a little unique, a little funny. <laughs> but, um, but yes, we always say that the Lord had greater plans than our own, and his timing was perfect yeah. because Rowan is amazing and such a gift to us. And Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah, I, I thought that would be a fun story to end on just because, you know, we're talking about all these different things and we're asking, okay, well, how do we do this and what is it supposed to be like and what am I supposed to do and what are they supposed to do and how will I know and all this stuff. And it's just at the end of the day, the Lord is so in control of all things. Okay, he's in control of all things and he knows all of it. And he gives us this grace, this grace upon grace of just like we get to just enjoy a lot of it. And um, I'm so glad we were able to talk about it tonight and go into depth and pull out scripture and what God says about certain things. And at the end of the day, God's in control. And it's just, it's just a matter of really trusting him and bringing our sin and our struggles into the light and living in community. And, um, you know, what Jen just said too about it, she said, pray with your future husband if that's something you want to do. Like, just pray, right? Disciple, be discipled care for one another, um, and, and proceed with the Lord in, like, in, in control of it all, not just in the back of your mind of, you know, I'm going to get married in a church or whatever. It's just like having the Lord steer everything about your walk, and then also if you were to partner with someone else, your walk together. So I really appreciate you guys being here. Um, before we close out, I just want to spend a minute if you guys want to just pray for the panelists, just you can choose one, or if you knock that out in 10 seconds, pray for the next person. But we're just going to pray for the panelists, um, and then panelists, if you, while that time is going, pray for them, and then I will close this out, and we'll be done for the night. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. 
Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards Him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.